Welcome to Financial Practice Made Perfect, a podcast of Independent Financial Brokers of Canada. I'm Nancy Allen, Executive Director of IFB, and my guest today is Roberta Tassin. Roberta is a partner at the Magnus Group, an insurance brokerage based in Oakville, Ontario, and the broker for the IFB Group ENO program. She's a frequent speaker at IFB summits and events, and we're pleased to have her here today. Roberta, E&O insurance is a mandatory licensing requirement for financial advisors in most jurisdictions in Canada, and in some ways I think the fact that it's mandated makes it something that advisors don't really think about that much. It becomes just one more thing to tick off the compliance checklist. But this type of coverage is important protection to an advisor's business and really warrants careful consideration before purchasing. So what would you say are the top three things an advisor should think about when it comes to their E&O coverage? Great question. Thanks, Nancy. As you've indicated, although E&O insurance is a mandatory licensing requirement, it is crucial for advisors to have E&O insurance to protect themselves and their assets. Independent advisors cannot really just rely on their employer's insurance to provide protection. They actually have to have uh, their own. Um, In terms of that, Furthermore, they should also uh, assure that the E&O insurance meets all of their needs in providing adequate protection for their business. So to this end, I'd suggest the top three items advisors should consider when purchasing E&O insurance uh, are the following. First, who is covered? Secondly, what is covered? And the last key item is who is the insurer uh, that is providing the insurance. So I'd like to get into a little bit more detail on those three items. So on the first one, who is covered? Many advisors actually focus on purchasing an E&O insurance policy that evidences their own name and the certificate of insurance, um, and then they stop there. So the issue with that is many advisors have additional exposures in operating their business. Some additional exposures can include an advisor having employees. So if an advisor has employees, the advisor should really carefully review the finer details of coverage. Are the employees covered under the advisor's E&O insurance? Or, for example, do they need to purchase their own coverage? The second aspect in terms of fine details is an advisor having a corporation. So some advisors, many do actually have personal corporations for tax purposes, and others have corporations which employ multiple individuals and which transact business for other advisors. So it is very key to determine what coverage, if any, is afforded under the advisor's E&O insurance for a corporation that he or she may own. The corporation, in fact, may be listed on the advisor's certificate, but the insurance coverage may not be the appropriate one for that corporation. So again, looking into the fine details is key. The last one in terms of fine details is an advisor may be required, in most instances they are, to add their MGA, life agency, or mutual fund dealer to their own E&O insurance. And this is because many advisors enter into contracts where they are required to identify the agency or dealer in the event they are named in a claim alongside the advisor. So naming these entities on the advisor's D&O certificate is actually a good thing. So what the advisor would really need to do is confirm that the E&O insurance policy of the advisor provides vicarious liability coverage for these different parties. The second um, item key item that I uh, mentioned was what is covered. So many advisors, again, focus on buying E&O insurance policy, get issued a certificate that says air is in emissions on top, and then stop there. 
it is really crucial for advisors to understand what coverage their E&O insurance actually provides. And there are two key areas that they should focus on. So first of all, all E&O insurance policies will provide coverage for both legal costs and damages in the event of a covered claim where a client alleges that they've incurred a financial loss because the financial advisor was negligent in rendering financial services. What many advisors fail to realize is that the other key claims exposure that is inherent in the operation of their business is actually a complaint filed by a client to a regulator or an investigation commenced by one of the regulators such as Fisco, um, the Alberta Insurance Council, the BC Insurance Council, various provincial regulators, and last but not least, we can't forget about the MFDA. So in this scenario, it's very imperative that advisors have appropriate representation during this process and have access to E&O insurance because if, if their E&O insurance doesn't provide coverage for these regulatory matters, the any legal costs incurred come, comes out of their pocket. So it's really important for advisors to assure that their E&O insurance policy not only covers civil claims but also covers regulatory matters. The second component of what is covered is that depending on the products you sell, you would want to make sure that your insurance coverage actually provides protection to all products that you sell. So advisors really need to review their coverage to determine if they are covered for all of the product services that they are licensed or registered to sell. The issue is, is that some E&O plans in the market are product defined, wherein the policy lists the products that are covered in the event of a claim. This could be actually very problematic as the list may not be current or it may not englobe any new products that the advisor may compense to sell in the future. So the onus is always on the advisor to assure that the list is current. And that is actually very onerous because advisors actually need to spend their time and want to spend their time on business development and selling, not making sure that their E&O insurance policy complies. Other E&O plans, such as the IP plan, are practice-defined in that all product services that an advisor is able to provide as per their license registration are covered subject to the terms of the policy. So in this case, an advisor should really um, assure that the policy that provides, um, that they are actually carrying, provides all-encompassing coverage for the products that they are licensed registered to sell. Now, the last key item that I mentioned in the top three items is advisors should really consider um, reviewing and looking at who is the insurer that is providing my coverage. And in purchasing a coverage through a group insurance program, the stability of that program. So as with all insurance products, E&O insurance is an intangible product. And we only see how it really works when a claim presents itself. So it is very crucial at that point in time um, and at this time out also that you wish to assure that you are being represented by an insurer and by a group insurance program such as the IFB program that is first and foremost financially stable, that has expertise in the handling of financial advisor you know, insurance claims, and last but not least, that has a fast and fair claims processing capability and focus. I know that E&O insurance is becoming an increasing focus of the life insurance regulators, and some are taking a really hard line on gaps in coverage. So in other words, a period of days, weeks, or months between the expiry of one E&O policy and the inception date of the next. Could you talk a little bit about that trend? 
Yes, that's correct, Nancy. Um, Over the last year, year and a half, we've actually noticed an increased focus and attention by the various provincial regulators across Canada on assuring that life agents are compliant with the provisions of the Insurance Act as it relates to E&O insurance. And in their role as regulators, the random audits that they perform are continuing. But in these audits, we do note that regulators are now more than ever paying very close attention to the actual date that the advisor applies or renews their E&O insurance and the date that the certificate of insurance is issued. So they are really paying attention to these fine details. So if an advisor renews his or her E&O insurance after the expiry date of their current coverage, Some regulators are actually interpreting this as meaning that the advisor may then have had a lapse or a gap in E&O insurance, which is actually in contravention of the licensing requirement. To exacerbate the situation, if the advisor signs their license renewal application advising that they've had continuous E&O insurance, when in fact there has been a gap in coverage, the advisor may be making a material misrepresentation on their license application, and that is not good. So due to the above, it is highly recommended that all advisors renew their E&O insurance well in advance of the expiry date and ensure that confirmation of coverage is in place and received for their records before that expiry date. So as an example, with the IV program, we start the process 90 days ahead to allow our advisors ample time and opportunity to renew the insurance before the July 1st expiry date. So this is not only to abide by the requirements of your license, but it's, it is also good practice in ensuring you have continuity of cover and enforce coverage in the event of a claim. So the IFB individual you know, program runs from July to July each year, and as you mentioned, we go out to members with renewal details in early May. Are there things that advisors should be thinking about in advance of renewing their coverage? Yes, it's actually a very good question as well. Um, and um, as we do every year, both IFB and Magnus, we'd like to prepare our insureds way ahead of the game and way ahead of renewal by actually asking them to think about any situations with clients or with regulators that have come up over the last year, which may lead to a potential claim in the future. Now, this should not only be done at renewal time, if in fact this happens during the policy term where you've, you know, you have um, uh, a contact made by the regulator or you receive a lawyer's letter and so forth, it is very prudent to actually contact your insurance broker. In the case of IV, you would contact Magnus so we could handle the matter right away. But prior to renewal, that is also a very good time to really look back during the year and think about, you know, has any activity happened that may potentially lead to a claim. So this, is, this isn't just good practice. It's actually a requirement of all E&O policies prior to the expiration date. Because advisor E&O policies are claims made, it's a requirement to report any possible claim or circumstances which may result in a claim or also any regulatory matters or inquiries to your insurer prior to your expiry date in order to ensure that coverage is available. So again, not to stress this enough, but it is imperative really to do this prior to your renewal date. 
Now, if anyone has any questions regarding claims matters or maybe you're thinking there is a possible situation that you wish to speak to um, the IFB uh, claims representative about, which is Magnus, our office, you you can contact us at any point in time. Um, you can reach uh, my colleague at Magnus, Lorraine Palmer. She can be reached at 1-800-650-3435, extension 337, or if you have any questions related to the IB program on topics that we covered today or on any insurance questions, please never hesitate to reach out to myself personally. It's Roberta Tassin, and I can be reached at 1-800-650-3435, and my extension is 349. That's all the time we have for today. My thanks to Roberta Tassin of the Magnus Group for sharing her knowledge of E&O insurance. If you'd like to find out more about the IFB program for financial advisors, please visit our website at www.ifbc.ca. There you'll also find past episodes of this podcast, or you can ensure you never miss a future episode by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. I'm Nancy Allen. Thanks for listening.